Hello and welcome to the Noob Sphero podcast, where we interview experts, authorities, and characters on all things spearfishing. Come and join us after the show at noobspero.com, the online spearfishing community helping you to become a better Spiro. Here are your hosts for the show, Shrek and Turbo. G'day guys and welcome to today's episode of the Noob Spiro podcast. Today's episode is an absolute cracker and we have a ton of laughs with none other than Jeremy Gamble. And we speak to Jeremy in particular in his uh, Veterans Vault, I believe, about a very unique burling or chumming idea. It'll blow your mind. I've never thought about doing this before. And uh, it's very creative. And um, we're going to give it a go next time. And uh, before we get into the episode with Jeremy Gamble from Spearing Magazine, get a couple of shout outs. So, look, we've. Uh Turbo is just putting the finishing touches on 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing, the illustrated version mm. with photos. <clears throat> and uh, some of the contributors are phenomenal. And uh, two of our former guests on the show, Jesse Cripps and Michael Takesh, um, have given us a ton Gosh. of images, just super, super awesome images to use in the book. And uh, you can support them by uh, heading over to Underwater Ally at Patreon. Yep, that's and, right. And uh, they've got they've got some phenomenal videos about their time in Tonga, and uh, it's yeah. it's it's all filmed in this uh, sort of this last twelve months. They've banged it together and uh, produced a phenomenal show. So head over and check them out. Also, uh, today's episode is brought to you in partnership with Staunch Apparel. Now, uh, North Sea Industry, it's North Sea Powered. There you go. Nicely powered. powered. Right, yeah. So and uh, yeah, so this episode is also a retro episode. We're doing the throwback with the throwback oh, sound box. Yes, you guys are in for an absolute treat. <sighs> Pirate Pete and the unnamed Mexican character that used to be on, I think, the first ten or so episodes. Yeah. Have been requested by Jeremy. So uh there's a little treat to one of our biggest fans. Nah. Uh, we're gonna throw them, throw those uh, sound bites back in. I love those old And If you bites. do like them, please message us on Insta or Facebook. Or send us an email and tell us you want them back. Yeah, we'll try and keep them in there and produce our audio producer. Uh, also, Actually, if we can get if we can get a hundred like thumbs up or pros for those sound bites, we'll put them in the next show. All right, hundreds a lot. How about twenty? Hey, you got to make them work for oh, it, man. Like all, right. Okay. The short. all right, latest iTunes review <laughs> from Kidju One One. Listening to these guys has already saved me hundreds of dollars, but not jumping in the water dressed up by not jumping in the water dressed up as a Christmas tree. <laughs> it's a take on the uh, Darren Shields Darren and Shields, the that's good right, stuff. Yep. Um, it's great to listen to people who are passionate about what they are talking about. It makes the talk so much more interesting. So thanks for that review, Kidju11. Uh, Sebastian Basso from the Melbourne Club Spearfish. Uh, He's another bloke that's jumped on from Club Spearfish down in Melbourne. Sounds like they've got a phenomenal club culture down there. Really love to get hold of that. Sebastian says, G'day, lads. Have been listening to your podcast back-to-back whilst chained to my daily slavery. I'm a member at Club Spearfish in Melbourne, and I will definitely recommend to the new guys to have a listen. It's great to hear about others' experience, good and bad. I rather learn from others' mistakes than make them myself. Although I'm sure I have. It's also good to hear some humour to salt the meat in there too. And uh, yeah, thanks for that, Sebastian. There's a bit more to your message, but we'll keep that between us. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, uh, g'day and thanks to Gypsy Spiro again. I think he's had another shout out, but um, 
Mate, he's absolutely killing it what down there. Yeah, he's just uh, he's shooting big tuna. He's shooting um, billfish, so he's having a ball. Also wanted <laughs> to have a shout-out to the Townsville Skin Diving Club. They are part of the auf.com.au. You can join that club. Um, get it, get into the club. You can talk to Matt Ludbroke. Uh, they have meetings on the first Tuesday of each month, so head on up to the Townsville Skin Diving Club. Uh, you can learn a bit more about them at auf.com.au. Fantastic. Are we done? We're done. That's the notice board. Let's let's head into Boom. it. Let's get into this episode today with Spearing Magazine's Jeremy Gamble. Guys, if you're on the hunt for some new equipment, check out Adreno Spearfishing Supplies at spearfishing.com.au. They have a huge range of gear. They've got great prices. And if you use the code NoobSpiro at checkout, you'll save yourself $20 on all purchases over $200. So check them out at spearfishing.com.au and use the code NoobSpiro at checkout. Guys, head on over to penetratorfins.com. They are proud sponsors of today's Noob Spiro podcast. We're happy to announce a code you can use to save yourself $20 on any blade purchase. That's right, save $20, pump in the code Noob Spiro, check out penetratorfins.com. Save yourself some dough on some fins and get yourself some of the best fins going with $25 flat rate international shipping and a full international warranty. Larry's the man. Thanks, Penetrator. G'day Noobers, welcome to the Noob Spiro Podcast. You're joining Turbo and I in studio. Today we've got Jeremy Gamble from Spearing Magazine. Now Jeremy's already primed himself up for the interview. He's had a drink. What time of the day is it over there, Jeremy? <laughs> welcome to the show. It is 5.16, so I am legally allowed to drink <laughs> after work. <laughs> awesome, man. We, uh, we, we, we quite often sneak a rumbo in uh, when we can. No, we don't. We're professionals. It makes our jokes just... All the more better so. to us, and we're more handsome, and we're better dancers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, joining us today, Jeremy. So, just for our uh, our listeners and, and us, uh, how did you get started um, spearfishing, and uh, what what sort of um, what's driving you these days? Uh, born and raised Florida native, uh, moved out okay. west for a short period of time, came back here. Really, my my diving started out chasing lobster, um, and then I'd say about 12 to 13 years ago, got serious on the spearfishing side of things, and it basically cool. just consumed my life to the point of, <laughs> you know, every message board, every bit of information I could get my hands on in detail, and it, it was nonstop. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. That's pretty much what I do at this point. I mean, I, we've evolved that into owning a spearfishing magazine and still consuming my entire life. And your wife, Becky, and you you both run the uh, Spearing magazine. Um, sh- does she spear as well? No. No, no, no. Becky, no. Becky will, no. Becky's idea of going out <laughs> on a boat and getting in the water is knee-deep at the sandbar with a vodka and lemonade <laughs> in her hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, oh, she's done a course with Ted Hardy. Uh, she did forty feet. Uh, we did oh. an article on it a couple of years ago. She went literally from having a panic attack. I mean, laying on her back like like a cat. If you were drowning a cat, <laughs> that's what it looked like. <laughs> she she went from there and with with Ted's ability to basically mind trick people into their fine. To doing rock, paper, scissors at 40 feet in about 35, 40 minutes. It was absolutely wow. impressive. I wonder what he could do with turbo. Um, Probably 30 feet. 
I can't, but like Jeremy is just straight on to you. This is excellent. So, so you started off in Florida. You've 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 stuck around in Florida. I know we. I listened to your episode on the spear with Roman recently, and um, you've you've dove with some some fantastic dudes like GR Tar, and I heard some of these some of the stories. Um, what drives you these days with spearfishing? Where does your motivation come from apart from the magazine? I mean, really for me, spearfishing is relaxing. So even more so nowadays. I mean, it, it kind of went from an obsession of of learning the sport and getting better at the sport and progressing and diving deeper to almost backing up some and just forgetting about all that. You know, yeah. taking care of my gear diving with the, the the close friends that I've got around me that that enjoy just going out and, and having a good day and and shooting something for dinner and making fun of each other and, yeah, and yeah. enjoying diving it's for me it's relaxing it's the, the competitive side I, I I want nothing to do with it whatsoever it it just doesn't fit yeah. my needs yeah we're, we're much the same uh enjoy getting out with the boys and just um bringing home a feed having a good time and drinking too much beer on the way in we were discussing mm. a little bit about that before the show yeah um so back in your early days let's take a sort of a backward step jerry sure. when you were starting off what were some of the the big obstacles for you did you did you start with hand-me-down equipment um everyone sort of seems to have their own obstacles what what were yours uh definitely equipment was the biggest one I, I come from a competitive swimming background so the the diving part wasn't super challenging um but more just technique i mean i didn't have any uh as far as <laughs> as far as diving technique i didn't know what the hell i was doing i thought yeah, i yeah. did coming from a competitive swimming background but i really truly didn't um yeah. and gear i mean i stocking fish i mean no clue we figured the faster you swim the easier it is to shoot fish which i learned early on <laughs> was a piss poor idea yeah yeah you know but gear you know my uncle's scuba dove years before he had a couple of old uh sea hornets you guys have sea yep. hornets yeah, yeah, man. Like, Everyone starts with them all over the world. I don't know. I don't know who distributes those oh, things, but they did a bloody good job. Yeah. They're everywhere, and they still exist. Like they're yeah, like they, they the one. It, here's what makes no sense: they have plastic triggers, plastic <laughs> muzzles. Like whatever yeah. they made those things out of, they're the most durable piles of garbage yeah. I've ever used in my entire yeah. life. Yeah, but they. Yeah, I don't even know where they make them. Seriously, they're like herpes. You don't want them, but they just hang around forever. You know? <laughs> uh, there is something Turbo can speak authoritatively on. Because <laughs> you kissed me in my sleep. Uh, <laughs> hey, there's never any kissing. It's going downhill fast. Just, just cuddling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so look, so yeah, you talked a bit about stalking and equipment, like in specific with stalking fish. What um, so you said you you like sort of aiming up and trying to swim competitively at them by the sounds of it. How did you how did you learn to approach fish? What was sort of what was sort of the process of that learning? Uh, I mean, honestly, it was just diving often and and having the opportunity to guide with to dive with guys like GR Tar and watching. Yeah. I mean, I think instead of people running their mouths nowadays, you know, you see on Facebook and Instagram and everybody's this uber professional, even though they've been diving for like seven months. It, <laughs> if, if they actually took some time to 
get the opportunity to dive with guys that are much better than them and keep their mouth shut and just watch those other guys dive, the amount of information they'd learn, it would it would change everything about their diving. Yeah, okay. You know, watching GR dive, on even if he didn't know I was watching him dive, just the way he stalks fish, the way, and I'm, you know, I'm not rubbing up on GR, but the guy is a beast. I mean, he's yeah, a yeah. super deep diver, super good at shooting fish. He, he understands just the way they function, and he does extremely well. And I was just lucky enough to dive with him and kind of pick up some of the tidbits and crumbs that he left behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, the more the more of these guys you can dive with and observe, you like, they all do it, like, they'll, they all do something quite differently sure. but they all get good results out of it and i think you can take kind of like one thing from every guy you go with and uh i mean i've gone out with guys that are actually pretty shit but they still do like a couple of really clever things yep absolutely and, uh, i think yeah just observing and, and staying humble does help with that um so when you when you did start stalking fish successfully uh what what technique did you probably use first i mean i've listened to the vast majority of you guys podcasts and that it, it amazes me what some of the people, what they choose. Not amazes. It's, it's interesting to listen to. But I yeah. like, depending on the visibility we're dealing with, like off our coast where I live, most of the time we've got a Merc layer on top, and that may extend, you know, a quarter or half the distance to the bottom, whatever okay. the depth yeah. may be. As soon mm -hmm. as I get through that Merc layer, I tend to just kind of pan out. And as soon as I can see the bottom and see the fish, I'll just hang out there. Yeah, and, yep. and pretty much pick, you know, see what's going on, look around, get an idea of what the structure's like, get an idea where a higher spot may be or a lower spot or where there may be a cave or where there may be some bait holding. And then I'll go back up mm. and I'll do that three yep. or four or five times until I get a good idea of what the actual bottom structure's like and where the fish are holding. And, yeah, then, nice. and then I'll do a dive, same thing, through the Merc pan out i mean i may be 15 20 30 40 50 feet off the bottom and i'll pick one fish and i'll just slowly angle towards that fish stop kicking you know 10 15 20 feet from that fish and just essentially fall i mean at that point i'm in a sink phase if i'm weighted properly and i'll just fall straight at that fish and 99 percent of the time i think uh andrew quiznos has talked about this those fish yeah. will roll up on their side and look at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's you you get the same shot over and over and over and over again. It's yeah. just this right in the side of the gill plate or right in the side of the head. It's the easiest shot in the world because mm. you're not coming in from an angle of, you know, being a predator. By the time mm -hmm. by the time they realize you're there and they feel you with a lateral arm, because in reality you're not moving. They just feel your mm. presence as you're sinking towards them. They just turn and look at you like, what are you doing? And you shoot him in the face. Yeah, it's nice. it's interesting you talk about this technique. It's sort of like an Overwatch, and then you and then you you hone in on what you want to do. Mm. I've used it successfully at times, and then I've I've gone long stretches where it hasn't really worked for me, and I've done mm. more of an Espeto type thing. Mm. Um, but I, I just find it interesting. Like I think you sort of honed in on it. You've got to have your weighting correct, mm. and you've really got to let inertia do the work. Like when you get within range. Yeah. Um, but I don't know why it works for me sometimes, and then other times it yeah. just doesn't. Yeah. I mean, we do it with black grouper. Black grouper. Well, everything really. Blacks, gags, hogfish, almost anything okay. that's on the bottom. If 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 you drop at that angle, I don't know what angle it'd be. 40 degrees or so 
around there somewhere. I mean, if if you're not dropping directly on top of them, but you're not at too low of an angle to where they can see you coming in Mm -hmm. to the Mm -hmm. point where they have to turn to see you, then they almost always do. And as soon as they roll on their side like that, they don't swim well like that. So they're not going to make that, you know, boom move where they where they take off. So they give you a solid second, second and a half to line up a, a good shot. Yeah. All right, cool. That's that's a really good insight. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm enjoying that. That's a that's a good one, actually. I'm glad you've listened to so many of our shows because it was a it's it's actually a, a different sort yeah. of technique that I hadn't thought about. It's for really a while. good having a fan on the show. Like, <laughs> just, you guys, a fan. You just, guys do. A we're calling him a fan. I enjoy it. Ah, thanks, man. <laughs> I was taking the piss, but he, anyway. he was he was he was fishing for a compliment. Too, so <laughs> he did well. Validation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jerry. We'll, we'll go back um, a little bit. Um, Maybe you want to pick out a fish in the last in, in recent times, but um, maybe a memorable fish story mm. that you've um, you've taken possibly in recent times that you that you were just super stoked with. Memorable fish story? Can it be one that that was super memorable and we didn't do very well? Yeah, that's fine. That's man. Even better. Far away. All right, so that's an honest that's an honest story. Then we got the opportunity <laughs> to go to Cancun. the The owner, the the gentleman who owns, I believe it's five or six Hard Rock. Uh, resorts invited us to come um the staff come to the come there go out go diving for four days it was on his dime which was awesome it's an all-inclusive resort the place is badass oh wow (laughs) so we go out with this gentleman named david vincino and we're in cancun and the first day we get out i believe you have to clear like a uh, a nature preserve or a marine preserve excuse me that's, I believe, yeah. 25 miles from shore out. Once you extend okay. past that, it drops to 1,600 feet. Wow. And then comes back up to this thing called the Aerosmith Bank. And the bank is like 72, 75 feet, somewhere right in there. Mm-hmm. So we have 200 feet of visibility. Uh, I don't know what that is in meters, sorry. But it's, it's a, a long freaking way. <laughs> 60 meters, yeah, 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 no, it's a long way. So the current is, and this is no exaggeration, it was solid, a four to five knot current. So we're, we're clearly live boating. They're taking us up current, dropping us in the water, and we're drifting over this pretty low rock structure. And we have 200 feet of visibility or more. I really don't know. I mean, it it's just seemed like air. And we're watching yeah. these grouper. I mean, the biggest black grouper I've ever I, – I can't even begin to lie about how big they were because they're just mm. that big. You're just – every drift, you're, you're staring at these fish, and they're swimming away from you down current. So they're wow. probably 35 yards down current of us swimming away as yeah, wow. we're drifting. So there's, there's no way to get to them, yeah. <laughs> you know, really. And, and yeah. at one point, one finally, this is like seven or eight drifts in, one of them got mm. dumb. And he rolled up around this little rock that was probably the size of a small car and just sat yeah. on top of it facing up current. So I was like, finally, I'm going to drop on this thing. So you got to drop. You got to start your dive way the hell up current in order to even think about getting, you know, intersecting the fish at where this rock's located. Yeah. And I get down there and I line up and he's still sitting there. And I was like, holy crap, this worked. Like, I really didn't expect this to pan out in a positive way. Line up, pull the trigger, shaft hits the fish right behind the shoulder. He rolled under the rock and immediately broke 
the cable shooting line I had, the gun hit me in the face. You know, I'm at 65 feet ish. You know, I got a <laughs> I got a 63 inch four banded gun that just drilled me in the nose. Oh. Uh, I'm swimming back to the surface. You know, trying not to pass out, bleeding out of my face. Fortunately, <laughs> the rest of the guys were there to to keep track of me not dying. But the whole yeah. tri- the whole trip was like that. We went. We tried a different spot for the final three days, and there were these pinnacles. Same problem. It was 168 feet deep. The pinnacles came up to 75-ish, and we had 300 feet of visibility. Uh. And we're trying to dive and hit the tops of these pinnacles, and you can watch these giant fish swimming around in 160 feet of water, but... Mm. I mean, nobody I was with could get anywhere near the damn things. I sure as hell wasn't trying. Well, and current current makes it deeper. You know, like, adds a huge factor of difficulty. Slows you down, yeah. It sucks. Like, I can't stand live boating. If you've got to constantly get in the boat and go up current and drop in the water, you can't do a good breathe-up. I can't relax. Yeah, yeah. Finally, after, like, three hours, I'm like, screw it. I'm going to sit here and shake these flashers and shoot Wahoo. Screw all those refish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think there's a real art to it. I've never got good at it either. Like, uh, we might dive, say, 60 or 70 feet when we're going good and there's no current, and then you're diving in current, and all of a sudden you're a, you're a 30-foot diver, and, mm. you, and you've got to watch that you don't lose your gear. Yeah. Because the the current's going that hard. If a fish holds up on you, it just buries you and your float and you're not going to get it back. So there's some real um there's some real hazards and risks to be aware of when you do start live boating in current. It's live uh, boat. I've never even heard the term until nah, now. But I'll, like I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with it. <laughs> it's now part of my vernacular. Yeah. You, you, Thanks Jeremy. <laughs> he's expanding our horizons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So and uh, so the black groper, you smashed your face, and then you decided to um, hunt some wahoo. You had a bit more success for that. Yeah, take it. I shot. Uh, I think I shot two. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, two wahoo. Then uh, our photographer Christopher Landers finally he was like, "Can I grab the gun instead of taking pictures?" I was like, "Knock yourself out." So he jumped in. <laughs> of course, five minutes later, he'd never shot a wahoo. Ah, oh, awesome. Five minutes later, one swims right up to him. Beautiful. He's, Love that. He stones it. We get three dozen pictures of of him with that fish. I think like four of them <laughs> were in focus. It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's always the way. The cameraman, he always gets the shittest photos taken of him. Yeah. The poor guys. Hey, Turbo's always complaining about it too because uh. the other the other guys on the boat they are all friggin' hopeless and can't be bothered <laughs> taking photos most of the time. Exactly. So. Good, good value. Um, I haven't shot a wahoo yet. Turbo, you you taking a wahoo down? No, nah, not yet. No. What, what about some hunting tips for uh, guys wanting to take down their first wahoo? What What did you learn when you started hunting them? Uh, Jeremy. Well, I've had two exper- well, two yeah two real good experiences with wahoo. The first one I really don't think counts because we just happen to time a trip down to, to the Keys in South Florida and jump into the most epic Wahoo congregation anyone's ever heard of. Yeah, wow. Hmm. It was, I'll tell the story later, because I know where we're going with this, but yeah. The, the the biggest technique that I've found that works is clearly flashers. I mean, who, yeah, okay. whoever's sitting there shaking the flashers usually is going to be the guy that gets the Wahoo, unless one of the guys you're diving with is an asshole, 
and shoots it out of out of underneath you. That's pretty much yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. With Wahoo, yeah. if if you sit really, Wahoo are pretty curious. I know people are like, don't look at them in the face. Yeah. I, I think that's a crock of crap. I, I I've looked at every single Wahoo. I mean, clearly, I'm I'm looking at them, and I've had them swim yeah. right. You know, they'll once you do your dive, they'll spook off slowly usually. But if you yeah. just sit there and stop and just hang out, like don't move, don't be threatening, just sit there, they usually make this big sweeping turn and come back to check you out one more time just to make sure they know what you are. And okay. 99% of the time, you can get a shot on them. Yeah, right. Yeah, cool. I remember when we were talking to Jager Crossingham from Freedive Fiji. I don't know if you if you listened yeah. to that interview. Sure, sure. but. He, he, he talked about doing this exhale dive, which would probably work well with what you're talking about. You, you're just sitting there and you just let most of your air out, and and then you you know so you become negatively buoyant. You you drop down three meters in the water, and then all of a sudden they're sort of there in front of you doing the curious thing. So mm. I'm going to try that when I do eventually come to find and you see just one. Learn to hold your breath normally. Well, that would be a start. True, yeah. I usually weight myself a tad bit heavy when we're hunting Wahoo just because most mm-hmm. of the time they're in the top 30 feet of the column. Yeah. So if you weight yourself, I mean, you may be in 100 feet of water, you may be in 400 feet of water, who knows. But if yeah. you weight yourself to be neutral at 30 feet, <clears throat> excuse me, you can usually, you know, get to that 30 foot mark or slightly above and hang comfortably. Now, clearly, okay. you don't want to be doing any deeper dives, and clearly you want to have a dive buddy close to you because if for some reason you were to black out, you're weighted like a brick, and you're going to end up at the bottom in 400 feet. But yeah, I usually yeah. go a little tiny, you know, maybe a pound, pound and a half, two pounds heavy um, okay. than what I normally would in uh, in a Wahoo situation. Yeah, I understand yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, cool. <clears throat> uh, talking about flashes just quickly, on mm-hmm. Instagram earlier, I've been following these guys, Buzzbomb Flashes, for a while. They look like they've got some wicked setups. They're, they're, they're in your neck of the woods, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think, I'm pretty confident that they uh, – didn't they steal that idea from Coates? Oh, possibly. I'm not yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, I've just – I mean, you can make it yourself, but yeah. now someone makes it for you, which is even better. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> Agree. I was looking at I don't really like making my own shit. I just <laughs> like buying it and using it, and uh, and it does a good job. And I thought those buzz bomb flashes, they look like they're just made to order. Hang it on a Rob Allen um, chicken float. Yep. Drop it down. I'm getting a Wahoo. That's kind of what I was thinking <laughs> at it with my pure consumer um, don't want to make gear kind of mindset. I'm the strength drink the box wine. I've heard they work extremely well. Everyone I know who currently has one and who has used it absolutely loves it and has had really, really good success with it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we we even, uh, on that trip to Cato Reef, we actually had some old uh, fishing skirts that were just destroyed and we wanted to tow a few lures around. Yeah. So we just did the same thing with, I think it was like a foily popcorn like oh, yeah. popcorn packet yeah. just did a zip tie around the thing threw it in and it caught fish like oh man yeah, yeah so I don't yeah, know I've had like old CDs because no none of us have got CD players anymore no. um, that I heard they work pretty good um, you just won't part with that Rod Stewart collection <laughs> you? you just will not part John with Farnham bro John Farnham <laughs> and uh, let's not forget Michael Bolt oh. before we get even That's awkward good. <laughs> yeah right on dad alright <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we better move on. Uh, all right, Jeremy, 
what's the toughest situation? You're a fan, so this was formerly the scariest moment, but um, one of the bean counters at Noob Spiro changed it to, <laughs> <laughs> to toughest situation. I never, I, no, I, I didn't, I didn't green like this at all. He also took away my um, Fast Five facts for Noobs. Just distraught about that. We'll talk about that later. All right, so what is the toughest situation that you've been in in the ocean? What did you learn from it, and uh, how did you overcome it? Uh, it was actually on a Wahoo trip. We were down in the Keys, and we'd been diving for three days, I think. So, I mean, I was my mammalian dive reflex was kicked in. I was diving really, really well. Um, mm-hmm. And we ended up going to this wreck, the Vandenberg, and I don't know what depth it is. I can't remember. It's really <laughs> unimportant. Yeah, but, yeah. but we're chumming like crazy. This was like one of those last-ditch efforts. No one had shot a damn thing. We're just raining hell down with chum, trying to get <laughs> anything to come in. And there was no yep. wahoo. Like, they just weren't there. We had great visibility. Okay. The, I think the top of the deck of the wreck is at, like, 110. It might be 140 or 150, 150 feet-ish, okay. I think, to the bottom. And so a good depth <clears throat> for burying, but it would take a fair bit of work. Or, or chumming, as you call it. Oh, yeah. We were, uh, the amount of shit we were dropping in the water was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> so because of that, we were actually getting a bunch of the bottom species, mutton snapper, black grouper, and other things, yeah. following the chum, competing with yeah. one another as they worked themselves up this, this you know, cut up bait. Yep. Yeah. So, of course, I see this, and I was like, okay, I'm going to drop with all this. Because the captain was continuously dropping all this down, nonstop. Oh, I love it. It was like an elevator of dead shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I follow it down, and I'm dropping and dropping and dropping. And all of a sudden, I see this really nice mutton snapper. And I was like, oh, that's a really nice mutton snapper. And I get closer to it, and he's working his way upwards, eating chum, enjoying himself. And finally, yep. you know, we get close enough, and all of a sudden, right before, no, it was after I shot him, I, I line up and I shoot him and I stone him, which was lucky. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> and right as, right as I stone him, I hear this beeping sound. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is this beeping sound? And then I realized I had set my alarm on my watch for depth. And my depth alarm was at 110 feet. Yeah, okay, wow. And I was like, like at that point, I had never comfortably been. This was seven years ago, eight years ago or so. I had never been yeah. comfortably to 110 feet. I mean, yeah. especially shooting fish. Yeah, yeah. Because those are two very different things. I mean, free diving oh, to definitely. 110 feet and going down and shooting something and dragging it pissed off to the surface are two different things. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, luckily I rolled this mutton. And I looked up, and we had great visibility, and it was the best feeling in the world. My, my closest dive buddy, Alvin Holmes, I looked to the surface when I realized I might have just killed myself. And I see, <laughs> <laughs> I see Alvin, and I point yeah. at him, and I point at my eyes, and then I point at my chest. Like, you watch me. And yeah. he gave me the OK symbol. I mean, I can see him on the surface from 100 feet. So I just opened my weight belt. So if I did black out, it would fall off me. Mm. Yeah, and started kicking to the surface, and I get to the surface, and he's right there next to me, and I, you know, do my hook press, everything's fine, put my weight belt, you know, clip it back on, and mm. you know, he looks at me, he goes, 
don't do that dumb shit ever again. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, that was a Uh, scary moment. That was the first real time I had been in a situation that I didn't realize I was in. And I had to make the choice. Like everything I had learned in my in my free dive course kicked in like, calm down. Don't freak the hell out. You know, relax. Open your belt. Stay streamlined. Don't kick hard. You know, all the things that I had learned went into play. And I, I think really the only way that I was able to do that was because I knew there was a guy right above me watching my ass. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's a that's a good scary moment and it's a good sort of um I mean, I think you communicated well the fear. Let's it's it is scary looking up at the surface and you you've already maybe got a little bit of contractions and mm-hmm. you're looking up at the surface and you've got a long way to pedal. It's, and uh, it is it's good when you've got yeah, good buddies a little split second or you realize yeah. it, isn't it so yeah yeah oh yeah and it's uh, when you get fixated on a fish you can push depth yeah and you're not even aware of it especially like over here in australia like you're in the great great barrier reef and um you you can chase these things called coral trout which are normally dumb as dog shit but mm. they get over five they get over five kilo like 12 pound yeah. and they 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 just seem to like want to tease you and just take you further and further and further down the drop off mm. and by the time you even if you've got a dive watch you you look around you you're, you're buried you know and uh yeah so i mean it's something we're all guilty of at times but uh yeah no that was a cool scary moment yeah, well, a like tougher situation. Sorry. Yeah, so you want to bring it back? It's not coming back. It was scary, it, man. It was very scary. Trust me, yeah, cool. I was not. When you were telling the story, also, I just wanted to say, Turbo was giving off all the hallmarks of anxiety. Like he was vicariously living through your situation. I think he was remembering the last time he did it, oh, here we go. and uh, but he was actually just in the bathtub. <laughs> Yeah. And he was like looking up at the surface, which is only twenty centimeters away, and just being in that exact same feeling. So, come on, Dad. Dad joke, Dad. Yeah, it's, it's what I'm known for. It's what I'm known for. It was all laid up. We had nothing. At the back oh, end. it was pretty good. It was pretty good. All right, well, moving on. If you're new to spearfishing, I highly recommend listening to our episode Free Diving for Spearfishing with Pete Ryder. Pete uh, is an entrepreneur and an excellent freedive instructor, and he has come up with two great courses the 10 meter freedive and the 5 minute freediver. I've used the 5 minute freediver to increase my bottom time, found it incredibly useful for my trip to the Coral Sea, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. His other course, the 10-meter freediver, is a great resource for those just starting out that literally want to get to 10 meters. And this course will help you learn proper breathing technique and some of the safety aspects associated with freediving. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 20% on all of Pete's courses. He's put together this deal just for listeners of the show. That's at howtofreedive.com. Use the code NoobSpiro. God bless America, guys. We're joined by Spearing Magazine today. Isn't that right, Turbo? Absolutely. You've done it again. USA. USA. <laughs> God bless America. Now, if you love America and you love spearfishing, get hold of Spearing Magazine at spearingmagazine.com. Hoorah. That's all the American stuff I know. Semper Fi. Chevrolet. <laughs> Look, guys, the magazine is way better than Turbo's American accent, probably better than mine, too. You can um, check out, check them out on social media, actually. Head along Facebook or Instagram, YouTube, whatever's your thing. Find Sparing Magazine and join those folks. They 
They put up some wicked photos and stories. Check them out, spearingmagazine.com. It's time to open the veteran's vault. Right, you got a veteran's vault, shall we? Yeah, yeah let's all right. all right, Jeremy, you know all about the veteran's <coughs> vault, so uh, take us deep into your area of expertise. I believe we're talking about chumming. Just yep. an AKA elevator, an burly. elevator load of Just chum, AKA death in the water column. Let's hear all about it. So how, how did you get started chumming and... You know what's your what's your I mean what's your process now like how's how has it evolved? I, I I'm not even gonna try to take credit for this because I completely okay. stole this from Gr Tart. Okay, a hundred percent. Okay, all of it. <laughs> so basically, what we do, especially when we're down in the keys, because usually in the keys you're diving deeper depths. You know, you're you're on the edge of the reef, where it usually rolls from like. 30 to 45 feet down to like 115 120 feet okay so we'll anchor the boat up and we will make what's called sandballs so you take you mix this up prior to going out on the boat because otherwise just trust me do it before you leave so you're mixing okay. you're mixing chum which would be what you guys call burly ground up chum yeah and beach sand and crack corn. Do you guys have crack corn there? Oh, um, <coughs> what, what is it? What it, explain to me. What's crack corn? Yeah, Dried, dried corn. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Okay. It's like normally in a farm supply sort of exactly. thing. Like for exactly. Feeding animals <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, is you it? can buy okay, crack corn. Right. Yeah, you buy a 50-pound yeah. bag of that crap. So crack corn, um, <laughs> oatmeal, or oats. Oats, not oatmeal, oats. And yep, you, you okay. take this entire mess of crap and you add a little water and you mix it together till you can make a ball about the size of a softball. Yeah. Okay. And the goal is you want it to be soft enough to slowly fall apart on the way down, but not mm. completely fall apart. Like you want it to reach the bottom in about about three quarters of the size of the ball. You want to actually land on the bottom. Right. Wicked. So you start with okay. that. So you probably, yep. and this is the most frustrating thing in the world. Fortunately, the majority of the people that I dive with understand that this is something that I just like to do myself. Like, don't get involved because they start throwing them. And as soon as <laughs> they start throwing them, they just fall apart. And the goal is to get an organized bunch of chum on the bottom. And once it starts to fall apart, that that uh, that crack corn or the dried corn actually floats back out of the ball that's on the bottom. Ah, right. So and so yep. does some of the oats. So the goal is what you're really doing is you're bringing all the bait fish to the spot that you're 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 chumming. And as you bring yeah, the bait okay. fish there, then you start. There's larger chunks clearly in that. You're starting to yeah, bring yeah, some yeah. of the larger, not not big fish, but, you know, the next step up from the bait fish. Yep. And then what we do is we have chunk bait. So normally we'll shoot a barracuda. I know people will be pissed that we're wasting a barracuda, but I don't care. We, we shoot yeah, a yeah. barracuda. We'll chunk that barracuda up like in, you know, just chunk it up and roll mm. the chunks of the barracuda down right on top of where all of the chum landed. Okay. Yep. You know, so this whole process takes like 35, 40 minutes to do properly. Yeah. And then yeah, once yeah, you're yeah. down to basically a filleted barracuda, you cut that cuda into thirds and you roll the rest of the carcass right down on top of that whole mess of crap you just put on the bottom. 
Okay. So what you've got now, you can go to a spot and get in the water, and I've done this dozens of times, and you can't see a single fish. Nothing. If you, when we do this, in the Keys especially, by the time we're done, you get in, there are black grouper everywhere. There are mutton snapper everywhere. There's usually mackerels up in the column. There might be a big bull shark around, but eh, they're not that big of a deal. (laughs) They're they're usually so fixated on the chum that you can shoot fish right off their shoulder and they don't even realize what's going on. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that process, and I've, I've had to do it. Like, there's times where we weren't able to find a barracuda to chunk up. It doesn't work as well. Like, you really need to go through the sandballs, then the chunk, chunked up cuda and then the carcasses because you're bringing in the really small fish then the little bit larger fish then the little bit bigger fish and at that point Mm. what you're actually doing is causing competition so you're 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 drawing those black groupers and those muttons out of the deeper depths where they're comfortable Mm -hmm. up to something that's comfortable to dive and making them compete with one another so they get really we call it chum drunk they get stupid (laughs) They're just yeah, dumb yeah. as hell. And the nice thing is when you shoot a nice black grouper and you bring it to the surface, normally you can gut it right on the surface and drop probably 15 or 20 big pieces of barracuda that he ate right back down to where he came from yeah. and, and do it over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Wow. It's yeah. That's very cool. It works good. That's excellent. It works extremely yeah, good. But if you just – the mixer is important. The cracked corn is important. The oatmeal is important. Or oats, excuse me. All of it's important. Yep. Jeremy, you're going to have to write us up a recipe so that we can uh, get those consistencies right. <laughs> I'd, I'd be happy to. Yeah, yeah cool, man. That would be really and, good. And I'm going to have to like stop Shrek from chucking in a deep fryer and making the most of it himself. <laughs> not, not for just, human Just keep a bucket of chicken on the, on the boat and a bag of Doritos and I'm happy. <laughs> he's, a good, he's a good corn-fed lad, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, this is what I put up with every time, every time. His, his jokes have evolved, though, so that's good. All right, um, Jeremy, um, so it sounds like a finely tuned process. Are there any drawbacks? Because while you were talking, I was sort of thinking, would this technique work in current? Uh, probably not, I'm guessing. Yeah, no, sure it does. Yeah, because right. that's oh, the, the, with the sand, these I mean, these things aren't light. you got the probably... A little over a half of the actual ball itself is sand. Yeah. So when you yeah, yeah, essentially yeah. you're not throwing it in the water, you're putting your hand in yeah. the water and letting it roll off your fingertips once your hand's already yeah. submerged. Okay. So I mean it, it it has some decent weight to it. So it drops straight mm. to the bottom. Yeah, right. I can think of another problem too. It's if you got dudes that are real like it takes thirty, forty five minutes really going high and just yeah. keeping everyone out of the water. Yeah. That would be the that'd be the big thing. It's a huge problem. So, Huge problem. Yeah, okay. You just basically, it's like everybody, no one grab their gear, no one starts suiting up. You know, if you're throwing up, deal with it. Go to the back of the boat, add to the chum. I don't care. <laughs> this is the process, <laughs> and we're sticking to it. Period. Oh, such a caring guy. A lot, a lot of spearfishing's like that too. Like when you're doing blue water stuff, everyone's got to be on the same page, like following a system. You know, anytime you're working in a team sort of effort, and I think. By the sounds of it, a longer burly process is similar. Like everyone's got to be on the same page, mm. and you, like I, I guess you hear stories about it, and so you, you buy in and, and you just stick to it. Yeah, it works. Yeah. You know, usually some people are a little bit skeptical the first day, but then after they see it work, no one complains. Everyone's like, "You just do what you're gonna do, and when you're done, you let us know when we get it." Like perfect. Uh, I like it. 
We're going to try it. Yeah. Um, Turbo's going to make those up on Sunday. <laughs> on Sunday this week. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> nothing better than this. Laying out the orders here. Right, uh, any, any, any. Um, before we move on, have you got any more parting wisdom in there for chumming Burley? No, that's pretty much my go-to yeah. thing. It's yeah, it, it it just works extremely well, extremely yeah, it well. Sounds like it. Cool. You know, the, oh, the other little trick we do this from time to time. Like we have what's called yellowtail snapper in the keys, mm-hmm. um, yep. and they're extremely tasty, but they're really hard to shoot. Like they are not mm. dumb at all. Okay, <laughs> and they're not that big. Like a huge one, which we call them flags. They're like. A big one's five, six pounds, like 22 to 24 inches long. Yeah, yeah, And they're, right. they're pretty okay. much impossible to shoot. But <laughs> if you get in the same, you, you know, you do the whole chum process that I already talked about. And then mm-hmm. you take one of the biodegradable Ziploc bags, the ones that actually mm-hmm. dissolve in water. Mm-hmm. And you fill that with the same mixture of crap that you're mixing up in the chum. Yeah. And you leave the, the bag, you, you zip it half closed, but leave half of it open and drop that right into the middle of the chum. The yellowtail, the big ones, they'll spook all the small ones away, but they'll stick their head inside the bag to eat the corn. Yeah, yeah right. So you literally just drop to the bottom. You're a foot away from this fish that you normally couldn't get 20 feet away from. And, and shoot it in the face. I mean, it's easy. <laughs> Chum drunk. Chum drunk. I've heard your, yeah. Yeah, I've heard you shoot it in the face uh, thing before. Yeah. <laughs> You've got some, uh, have you got some merch with that written on it or something? Say that again? Have you got some like merch, like hats and shirts oh, yeah. and stuff with that on oh, it? I yeah. think I've seen them around, eh? Yeah, we've got hats and short sleeve shirts and long sleeve shirts. It's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's what we do. Like, most people don't get it. People who yeah. clearly don't spearfish have no the no idea what the hell yeah, we're talking yeah. about, which I think it makes it even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just shoot those chum drunk bastards in the face. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's definitely Spearow talk, uh, that's for sure. Yep. All right. Next part of the show, Turbo, what do you got, buddy? Uh, it's the funniest thing. What's the funniest moment or thing that you've experienced out on the water while spearfishing? Funniest thing oh okay I, listen I, to a even, few. I hadn't even thought about this it just clicked in my head so yeah again we're in cancun right and okay. it's the last day of the trip and christopher landers the photographer he was dying to get in the water with a bait ball with a bunch of sailfish and get some images yeah. get some photos and, of course, we had been blowing him off the entire time because no one gives a crap about sailfish or <laughs> him taking pictures. We just want to shoot stuff. Because, I mean, yeah. in, in Mexico, you're al- I think you're allowed to shoot sailfish, but we weren't going <laughs> we to cross that line. Basically, it was like, yeah. don't, don't shoot any sailfish. No one wants to go to jail in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would be better. So on the yeah. way in the last day, we see this, all these birds and this bait ball and, and dolphins. And Chris is like, please just let me get in. So we pull up and Chris jumps in the water and he's like, there's pilot whales everywhere and dolphins oh, wow. and birds. And they'd clearly just eaten some type of really giant squid. I mean, I'm wow. not saying it was a giant squid, but the bitch was big. It was, <laughs> it was a Big chunks of squid. <laughs> so everybody else gets excited. There's like 25, 30 of these pilot whales. Yeah. Everybody else jumps in, and I'm like, no. Like, I've I've got a thing with animals with big brains and teeth. <laughs> I don't I don't get involved. 
I'm not jump, yeah. like I'm not diving with killer whales. I'm not diving with pilot whales. I'm not. It's, it just doesn't sound smart to me. So all yeah, the yeah. all the guys, the whole staff jumps in, and they're swimming around and they keep popping their heads up, and Chris keeps yelling. They keep swimming under us and smiling at me, and <laughs> of course I can't see this because I'm on the boat because I wasn't getting in the middle of this crap. But what I am watching is there's two groups of divers. There's four divers and five divers, and they're separated by about 30 feet. Well, what's actually happening is the big, giant male, what we thought were pilot whales, which were not pilot whales. They were actually false killer whales, which are not (laughs) friendly. (laughs) Yeah. He's corralling corralling them together. It's exactly what he was doing. He was was hurting them into this little, tiny group. It's like Jurassic Park, but in the sea. Exactly (laughs) like Jurassic Park. So all of a sudden, these guys are all back-to-back, and they still think they're okay. Like, none of them really realize what just happened. And then all of a sudden, that big male false killer whale comes up and starts tail-slapping all the way around them on the surface. (laughs) And I mean close. Like, really close. And I'm like, screw this. I told the captain, I'm like, get him out of the water. Like, I don't need someone to die in Mexico on my watch. Get him out of the water now. (laughs) (laughs) So they all get up back on the boat, and they're like, well, that was really cool until, you know, it got weird. (laughs) And I'm like, they were going to eat you. Their goal was to eat you. They weren't being friendly. They weren't smiling at you. They were trying to get you all together, and they were going to kill you all. That was the goal. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the captain's got the boating gear and everyone's back in the boat. And a couple guys are a little rattled because they realize that they almost just died. And Chris is still just going through the camera like, oh, this is an amazing picture. Oh, this is an amazing picture. <laughs> and we look behind the boat and there's 20 false killer whales following the boat because we're at idle speed. <laughs> And the, that big bastard that was smiling at the guys was literally <laughs> eight, ten feet right off the back of the boat in the wash, like kept coming out of the water and staring at us like, come on, guys, get back in. We're friendly. <laughs> it was out, it man. was insane. Super insane. I'm so glad hungry. I didn't get in the water. It was hungry for some gringos. No question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we did at the time. We didn't realize they were. We still at the time thought they were pilot whales. Now, when we got home, Chris started putting up a bunch of photos on Instagram and Facebook of these, you know, pilot whales. And somebody informed him that those were not pilot whales; they were false killer whales. And they 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 occasionally kill people. Wow, (laughs) far out. Well, that was a good funny moment that was sort of scary. Yeah. So Yeah. Mm, it was funny, funny to me after the fact. The fact that no one died <laughs> made it really funny. Yeah. <laughs> if you like McEwen's Lager and we Jammy Dodgers, <laughs> <laughs> then Staunch Industries is for you. <laughs> That's right. A paddle for real, man. <laughs> Get that up, you cult. Staunchindustries.com Today's show is brought to you by our new, our brand new ebook, 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. How many tips in that book, Trek? There's, there's well more than 99. You can find the book on Amazon.com. <laughs> 
It's why is it called 99 tips if there's more than 99 tips in there? Look, I've summed it up into like 99 groups of tips. So you're saying that those tips are so value-packed, there's more than one tip per tip. <laughs> Just an, a value-driven, actionable book. So if you were to put an actual industry. real number on that, how many tips should it be called? 247. 247 tips. Yeah. So you're paying for 99, but you're getting the value of 247 right. tips. Chris Gates agrees with me. He said, even after 30 years of spearfishing, there are tips in there that I never thought of. So for someone only a few years into spearing, this is a must-have resource. Cheers for that, Chris. So get online, check it out on Amazon. 99, 99 tips, tips to get better at spearfishing. Spearfishing. <laughs> cool. Next part of the show, I know you're a bit of a gear dude, Jeremy. Yeah. So what's in your dive bag? Head to toe, what's your go-to kit there in the keys? Um, what's your... I, 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 I really hate wetsuits for starters. Um, <laughs> I just do. I don't like any of them. Um, but the, oh, the wow. one that I wear the most is my Salvamar HT Weld. Uh, it's like a shark skin on the outside and lined on the inside. Okay. It's just super, and that works for you? Yeah, it's super comfortable. I mean, I've got, I don't know how many wetsuits in the garage, but it's just really stretchy it's really soft it's really comfortable i like the fact that it's it doesn't have any kind of lycra or anything on the outside so when i'm in the boat the wind isn't blowing through the suit and cooling me off and getting me cold when i the whole point of the damn thing is to keep you warm <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah and it's yeah. still durable enough to where i mean i've had that suit for probably three or four years now and it doesn't yeah. have a single tear in it and i'm not easy mm. on them at all like yeah you know i'm constantly up in caves and rocks and not paying a damn bit of attention to what i'm running into on the boat so yeah i think that's what you want out of your suit too isn't it to be honest yeah you want it to be durable enough that you can sure you can do whatever you want to it and and i mean i don't know some guys seem to you know expect three or four years out of a suit i'm like dude like if you wash it properly and you look after it you might get four seasons out of a person. I think that's a really shit hot suit. Yeah. I've had a, I had a really soft, comfy suit. I only got two seasons out of it, but those two seasons were really good, and then it sort of fell apart. Yeah, it was a, one of the European brand ones. Yep, I've had a Cressy suit, but it didn't hold its shape uh, for some reasons. <laughs> about possibly too many buckets of chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've trimmed up a little bit, it just doesn't fit quite right. So, but uh, you know, wetsuits are definitely a funny thing. Yeah. Um, what about booties and gloves? Uh, gloves. I actually just got to try these new gloves, and I I like them. I didn't think I I wasn't I didn't think I was gonna like them. But we're we're gonna yeah. do a review in uh, the May issue of the magazine on these gloves, but they're they're made by a company called Blackfin, and okay. they make those gloves. They're black, clearly. And they've got the, mm. the webbing between the fingers. Oh, okay. Okay, so those I don't recommend because those get caught yeah. in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they make five or six other pairs of gloves, or not five or six, three or four other pairs of gloves that don't have the webbing between the fingers yeah. that are extremely nice gloves. Like, I've used yeah. them now for at least eight months. There's no rips. There's no tears because Shit. there's no seams mm. on them. You know, mm. they're, they're mm. not a cold water glove because – they're very, very thin and very form-fitting, which is nice yeah. because you don't feel like you've got a glove on. Yeah. Uh, they also make booties. Now, their, their, their dive socks have, like, the little weird 
toe thing that goes between the big toe and the toe next to it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Which is kind of can be weird at times, feeling that. I think it... Yeah. I think that can be good for when you're doing shore diving, though, to be honest. Like, oh, you sure. know how if, if you've got a full open sock, like your foot moves around and you can, y- your toes can actually puncture it, it's particularly if you're wearing the 1.5 or 2 mil booties. Yep. So yep. maybe that'll work in that application. But if you're diving off a boat, it'd probably piss you off, I'd imagine. It's not that bad. It was just different. You know, I just wasn't used okay. to it. Yep. It was every yep. once in a while you're like, what in the hell is between my toes? But yeah, yeah, I, I really, I'm very impressed. Up until then, I still wear my hammerhead booties all the time because they're super yeah. comfortable and they're not very slippery. And yeah. the last thing you want to do is, you know, shoot a fish, get in the boat. Someone else had just shot something and threw it on the deck, and you jump in and just bust your ass because there's two <laughs> feet of fish slime. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can relate to that yeah. one. Some of, the guys, some of the guys don't seem to like killing their fish in the water and they throw them oh. over the side, particularly like big groper and cod. This big slime balls. And uh, they chuck them over, kicking around. There's blood and slime everywhere. It's yeah. just good fun, isn't it? I tell, yeah. I tell everybody who goes on my boat, I'm like, rules of the boat. Whatever goes on the boat is dead before it goes on the boat. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, first and foremost, because I've gotten into We have these fish called sheep's head. Yeah, they're they're we black know them. and white. They look awesome. Yeah, they're black and white striped. They've got spines on them like hypodermic needles. They're uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't shoot them because somehow throughout the day, whether I make it the entire day and I'm trying to pull a fish out of the cooler to clean it, I end up with yeah. one of those big ass spines buried like between my fingers. <laughs> so yeah, I don't shoot them anymore. But I've had leading up to this, people just would shoot a sheep's head mid body. And basically shot put it into the boat from 10 feet away. <laughs> and, and I get in the boat with a fish, and there's blood dripping from my top. It's every. Yeah. It looks like somebody killed a village inside the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and there's one lone four-pound sheep's head that's completely blood yeah. to death and giving me six, <laughs> six hours of work to clean this boat. Yeah. And, and another point with that, I mean, Turbo wrote a really good um, article about Icky Jimmy on our on our site, but like, if you let a fish die like that, not only has the fish had an mm. unpleasant ending, but yeah. you've lost all the good eating quality out of that fish as well. Like, sure. mate, you just brain them, bleed them in the water, it's done um, deal. Yeah. Yeah. Unless there's sharks around, there's no excuse not to. Even if there is sharks, I mean, the sharks, you know, there's there's this whole thing with sharks. I mean, clearly on Instagram, everybody thinks sharks are dogs at this point. Which they're, <laughs> which they're not. But you can still, yeah. you know, gill and gut a fish in the water if there's sharks around and they're not going to immediately rape you. You know, <laughs> if, if, it, it can be done. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Okay, cool. We're still in your dive bag. Yep. So we've covered um, booties, gloves. What, uh, what's, your, what's your sort of spear gun rack look like? Uh, I pretty much, I'm pretty, once I, you know, I'm the guy that goes to a restaurant and orders the same thing at that restaurant every time I go there. Yep. Yep. That's just my thing. Uh, so I've you, got, do you order the, uh, do you order the 24 piece feed for yourself? Yeah. Sometimes. Very possible. Um, guns. He's having a dig at me there, Jeremy, more than you. But, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, another KFC joke. He's getting predictable. Oh, I can't help it. <laughs> so, what's your uh, what's your predictable spear gun you love? Uh, inshore, like anything, 
inside of 6, 70 feet, I shoot yep. a 55-inch Koa uh, roller gun. Okay. I've it, seen them around. They look like a slick bit of weaponry. 65-inch. No, no 55. 55. 55. 55. Which yeah. is a, about a 120-centimeter, I believe. Yep. Or one, no, sorry, 130 maybe. Oh, is it? Yep, should be a 110. Mi- miles off. That's exactly what I use, a 110 <laughs> roller. Good choice. Good yeah, choice. Yeah, nice. Sir. It's a mid-handle. I cannot, I cannot shoot rear-handle guns. I, I'm horrible at yeah. it. I've tried multiple times. I mean, countless times. I just, I can't shoot the damn things at all. I'm, yeah, a, okay. I'm a mid-handle guy, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um. So, so you're, a, you're a field shooter? Say again? You're 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 more like a field shooter. You you shoot out of like um, you you just look where you want to aim and you shoot. You don't actually sight down the barrel. Oh no, I couldn't even begin to tell you how I am because I don't. I just I I point the gun to the fish and shoot the fish. I I have yeah. no idea what happens. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay, right, yeah, cool. cool. I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought. No. There, but, so what um, are what are we using for offshore? Uh, well, if, if I'm doing deep reef stuff, anything deeper than 60 feet, I've got a 63-inch death stick. It's a mm-hmm. three- or four-band configuration with a big Ula sub-reel. Um, okay. It was actually – Ken Jones used to manufacture these guns called death sticks. They're gorgeous. Oh. He's out of St. Pete, okay. Florida. And my uncle had been – he used to do cabinetry work on yachts 50 years ago. Yep. And he had saved – like seven boards of teak that, as he explained to me, they had to hand pick the teak off the trucks because they were full of shrapnel from Vietnam at the time. Oh, wow. So he still had these boards of teak, and he gave me four of them, and I gave them to Ken, and Ken made them into a gun in the configuration that I wanted, which is awesome. So, yeah, that's that's my deep reef gun. Yeah. Um, And... uh Having a bit of a story behind your gun seems to be give you a bit more attachment to it as well, I guess. Oh yeah, I mean that. I mean the woods. My uncle got it fifty years ago. It's been ten years since it's been made, so I don't know how old the teak is. Ninety years yeah, old. Wow. wow. It's a cool piece. I love that gun. It shoots super duper well. It was my blue water gun until I got my blue water gun. Okay, yeah. What's your blue water gun? Uh, sixty-seven inch Sea <laughs> Sniper. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is Chris Chip- Chapui. Is that yep. his name? Chaput. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've I've heard of him. I've seen his guns around as well. Again, they look like a slick bit of timber. You you prefer your timber timber barrel? Yeah, I love okay, that cool. gun. It uh, it's it it's a bad bitch. Yeah. When I was taught, you know, he told me he's he's like get the. I was going back and forth between the sixty-seven and the seventy-two. And, yeah. and Chris is just an upfront, honest kind of guy. And he's like, look, are you going to go actively chase giant tuna? And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, then get the 67. He's like, because the 67 with an 1132nd shaft and a slip tip will punch through a 220-pound cow tuna 20 feet away. And I was like, wow. that's all I need because <laughs> <laughs> good enough. Sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Anything else you wanted to talk about equipment-wise? We've covered off guns and your sort of your wetsuits and that. Uh, mask and snorkel. What are you using there? Uh, I actually look. I people talk about J snorkels. I have the Rife Stable, the one that has okay. the big giant valve on the bottom and all the dry apparatus on the top. Yeah. Yep. And you hear all the time people are like, "You don't need that crap." I disagree. 
If yeah. you're trying to lay on the surface and do a relaxed breathe up and you're constantly dealing with water in your mouth, mm-hmm. it's a pain in the ass. Like I would mm. rest, I'd rather have a dry snorkel and deal with some lack of hydrodynamic, hydrodynamic, you know, crap okay. connected to it on my yeah, dive yeah. than have a shitty breathe up on the surface and, and have a beautiful dive. It, yeah. The air is the important part. Yeah, 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 and being comfortable when you do finally go to dive, yeah. Sure. I'm, I'm familiar with that compromise too. I've, I've had both. I'm back on the J snorkel now, but sometimes I get pissed off with it. But when I actually duck dive, I'm like, when I actually do go diving. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I I do enjoy having that sort of extra bit of, uh, you know, glide through the water, I guess, without the, you know, the, those things with the valves and the, the stuff on the top, they like flap against your chin and stuff on the way down sometimes. So there is a compromise there. Actually, the, mine, I, I learned from Ted Hardy in immersion. If you take, like, I don't have any type of snorkel keeper on my snorkel or mask. I just yep. take my mask. And you know how in the back of your mask it splits into two pieces to go around the back of your head? Yeah. If you take your snorkel and stuff it between those two mm. and let go. That's the perfect position for your snorkel to be in when your face is in the water because it's directly behind your head. Okay, right. Now, when you do a dive, your snorkel's out of the way because technically it's behind your head. Mm. The snorkel just spins to where it's literally behind your neck almost. Mm. Okay, cool. It works really well. I'm going to try that next time I've got one of those fancy snorkels on. Yeah. Make sure it's yellow or pink. fancy. See, it's time for Noob Spiro's Fast Five Facts. Ay, ay, ay. All right, next part of the show, there is no more Fast Five Facts for Noobs, well, Turbo. Know. Have let's another just, sook. Have let's another just sook. see what Jeremy's prepared himself for. <laughs> let's do Spiro Q- Q&A. So, Sorry, Jeremy. Knock again, this is a... This is a faster, faster paced round of questions. Um, what's the single best piece of advice you've been given for spearfishing? Have fun. Yep. Love it. Who's been the most influential person or people in your spearfishing? Probably G.R. Tar, Alvin Holmes. Uh, I'm going to give it just to those two. Yep. Cool. And during your, how long have you been spearfishing, Jeremy? Um, seriously, 12 years. Okay. So during your 12 years of serious spearfishing, what's the biggest lesson you've learned? You can't say have fun again. No, (laughs) to to not shoot the first thing you see. Okay, cool. All right, what what current challenge do you face in your spearfishing and how are you approaching it? I don't really have any challenges, to be honest with you. It's just the the goal is to go out there and relax and have fun, and I've kind of got that covered, so it's... Yeah. There's no, you know, it's it's new, find new products, try new products. I mean, at this point, it's it's getting information for our readers. It's it's finding new cool products that are pushing the envelope and why they're progressing the sport and why the readers should consider purchasing them. As far as personal diving, I mean, I just do it for fun. It's super fun and relaxing, and there's really no challenge. Okay, cool. This might tie in neatly with the last question. Who is the best person to go spearfishing with and why? The guy that's going to watch your ass for real. Yeah. Like that guy, 
People Turbo's don't... always watching my ass. <laughs> when I'm, we're in the studio and he's watching my ass, I'm like, bro, there's no blackout risk here. Like, what are you doing? Watch and it. he's just chuckling me. Turbo, like you're a, supposed like to a... be watching his ass in the water, not out of the water. <laughs> I'm watching it in uh... flight over the years. <laughs> Back to the chicken. Uh, so, so predictable. But also, also enjoyable. No, that's awesome, man. So, Jeremy, people can find you at sparingmagazine.com. They can subscribe to your digital edition anywhere. They can buy the physical copy and have it shipped to their doorstep. Yep. Um, you're in most spearfishing retailers with your magazine, I'd imagine. Yep. And uh, we're over here in Australia. We would love to get some uh, some more shops stocking your magazine because I think it's the, the biggest one going at the moment. There's uh, You get con- contributions from all around the world. and. Yeah. Uh, I, I love I love the standard of photography you've got in your magazine. That always really stood out to me. Um, Thank you. We've we've had several guests that have published articles in your mag, and I've, I know what their photography is like. And yeah. um, you can tell people that know how to take photos and people that don't. So Michael and Jess here, are awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say those two. They're good the people. They're easy to deal with. They're they wrote a freaking book. I've never printed an issue or an article that long. In history, I mean, we've we've had the magazine wow. since 2011. We personally yeah. owned it, and I think their article was 4,700 words. Wow! Yeah, I yeah. wrote your little book. That's good. It, it literally could have been an entire, and I cut a bunch of it out, or not me, but the the copy editors. It could have yeah, been yeah. 50 pages. It was it was amazing. Yeah. It, it felt I felt bad. Giving it a little bit of a yeah. trimming, but uh, I mean, we trimmed it to yeah. forty-seven hundred. Yeah, a bit of a shout out to Jessie Cripps too. She's got a blog um, where she sort of really writes a lot of articles for women that are interested in getting involved in spearfishing, and she's got some phenomenal articles in there. And she yep. just writes in a really sort of practical way. So, no, that'll be cool, man. Mm. All right, well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna dig in and probably write you an article at some stage in the next year or so. So, I'm just looking at Turbo for that, by the way, Jeremy. <laughs> hey, you know, what we're, gonna get? we're gonna get an email back. To, Thanks, Turbo, for your submission. Unfortunately, the magazine is full right now. <laughs> Not looking for contributions. <laughs> Sorry, Turbo. Your two hundred, your paltry two hundred words of shit will not be printed in this episode. <laughs> maybe, maybe aim for letters, letters to the editor. Yeah. Regards, Jeremy Gamble. Jeremy Gamble. I'll let you guys do a letter from the editor. That's fine. I, I, yeah. There's plenty of months where I'm like, I don't have anything to say for this one. Yeah, yeah. There's, sometimes inspiration uh, doesn't doesn't come all the time. We're, look, where else can listeners come and find you, Jeremy? You on social media? Yeah, Spearing Magazine on Instagram, Spearing Magazine on Facebook. I think we're on Flickr and Google <laughs> and we're we're all the stuff. We're everywhere. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll link I'll link up a bunch of that stuff in the show notes so people can come over to. Jeremy Gamble, it'll, if they just pump that into Google, it'll come up at noobspiro.com. Come and listen. Have a look at his show notes. Yeah. What else, Jeremy? Any any parting piece of guidance or uh, any action you want our audience to take? Go out there, enjoy yourselves, have fun, relax. You know, talk to guys that know more than you know and don't question their advice. Go out and put it to use and enjoy the sport. That's the point of it. It's It's not about egos. It's not about how deep you dive. It's not about the size of the fish you shoot. It's about going out and spending time with close friends that are watching each other's backs and enjoying themselves. 
Oh, oh, stop talking about your bum. You've <laughs> <laughs> made me self-conscious. <laughs> awesome chatting with you, Jeremy, today. Uh, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, that was a good time. Appreciate it. I'm going to go make another drink now. Shrek, you know me. I love to pretend to read. <laughs> and even more than that, I love glossy images. And that's exactly what you get with Spearing Magazine. It's our favourite spearfishing magazine from Jeremy Gamble, uh, our guest on the Noob Spiro podcast. It's an absolute ripper, and he's got a great deal for listeners here in Australia. That's right. You can get the whole back catalogue for 60 bucks Australian. If you're if you're down south, if you're down under, and, and we'll include the South Africans in that Absolutely. as well. Love our you, South you, can, you can email Jeremy, sales at spearingmagazine.com, and secure the whole back catalogue for 60 bucks. Jeremy, put this together just to help help us people down here overcome the uh, cost of shipping. So get hold of 19 issues of this top quality magazine for 60 bucks. Hope you enjoyed today's interview with Jeremy Gamble. He's an absolute bloody character, this bloke. And uh, Spearing Magazine have now jumped on board the Noob Spiro podcast to sponsor the show. So welcome aboard uh, SpearingMagazine.com. Now, also, next week, Turbo, what have we got next week? We have a 101 episode with Bill Corton, our resident expert in bar crossings. So bar cross, coastal bar crossings are basically where uh, rivers, westeries, meet the sea and they are hot areas of high risk for any boaty heading out so uh bill Corton talks to us all about uh, how to safely traverse bars on the way in and the way out and get you home safely so join us for that one uh bill's bill's quite a character and uh we have a ton of fun with that one as well so thanks for listening to today's episode thanks for listening guys if you're in need of some new equipment maybe a new gun some fins or anything else you can think of check out spearfishing.com.au that's the online store for Adreno they have got a huge range of gear anything you could ever think of and not only that if you use the code noobspiro at checkout so go to checkout it'll say enter code put in noobspiro and you'll save yourself $20 on all purchases over 200 so do yourself a favour get on to spearfishing.com.au save yourself some money and get some great gear if you're anything like my mid-30s friend, Shrek, then you probably look like you're dressing out of the 90s still. I've just got to say right now, a big thank you to Storch Industries who sent us a couple of shirts for Shrek in double XL. He looks bloody mint and he's not an embarrassment to be around. So if, you, if you're looking for some spearfishing apparel, check out Staunch Industries. I think their website staunchindustries.com. Check them out. Their stuff's absolutely excellent. They've got some great designs. Also, guys, quick request, uh, wherever you listen to the show, leave us a review. It helps other people find the show, and uh, it's always good to be chatting with you. Looking forward to getting in your ears again in another fortnight. Thanks for listening, guys, and hope you nail a big one.